Thank you. 
Merry Christmas. We are so glad that you're worshiping with us today. Many of you in this room perhaps are here for your first time. Maybe you're here with friends or family. Uh, maybe you live out of town or maybe you're looking for a church home. Any and all of the above, we are thrilled that you're with us. And some of you uh, are worshiping online with us as well. Um, if you have not had a chance to come and worship with us in person, we'd love for you to come worship with us soon. Um, if you are uh, not a part of a local church family, we especially want to extend um, a, an opportunity for you to come and worship with us any Sunday at 1030. We'd love for you to come and do that. Um, we would like to be able to connect with you, kind of get to know each of you a little bit better. And the way that we can do that is there should be a connection card in front of you in a chair po uh, little pocket in the back of the chair in front of you. And uh, you can fill out as much information as you'd like to. And that would allow us to contact you, welcome you, and give you any information about the church. Um, and uh, normally we pass offering plates, but this morning we're not going to. However, there are going to be offering plates on the tables at the exit doors. So whenever we leave in a little bit, you can just drop that connection card in that offering plate. Also on the back side of the connection card is a prayer request uh, card, and you can fill out uh, whoever you are, whether you're here for your first time or your hundredth time, if you've got a prayer need that you'd like to share with us, uh, take the time to fill that out, and you can drop that in the offering plate as well. And of course, if you come prepared to give financially, you can drop that in the offering plate whenever we dismiss at the end. Um, can you believe that it is almost 2024? Like, that is so crazy to think about, but we're about to turn the calendar to a new year, which means we're about to kind of ramp up some things here in the life of our church. We're going to be doing some new activities and some new things we haven't done in the past. We're going to be doing uh, equipping classes again in the spring, uh, spring. That kickoff Sunday will be on January the 28th. Uh, there'll be, I think, four classes offered in the mornings, as well as one for college and young adults, and then women will have one in the evening. All of those details are coming out, I think, next week or the week after that, but whatever the case may be, be watching for those details. You'll not want to miss equipping classes and other activities and things that are going on. The way that you can see all that information is a couple of ways. If you uh, picked up a worship guide this morning when you came in, there's a QR code down here. You can use that QR code. It'll take you to what we call the hope, and you can see all of our announcements. Uh, and some of them are already on there. Some of them won't be on there until the next week or two about the spring activities, but be sure and check those out. Uh, the other way that you can get to that, you can go directly to the hope by going to our website, which is lhbc.net slash the hope, and you can get all of those details. This morning is going to be a little bit different in several ways, uh, one of which is we are not having any preschool since it's um, Christmas Eve. We're wanting everybody to worship together, so we're having no uh, preschool or children's worship infusion. So we'll all be together uh, the whole time. We'll be celebrating Lord's Supper uh, towards the end of the service. Um, I am going to preach a shorter message, but it's actually going to be a two-part thing. So you're going to see kind of the flow of the service look a little bit different. I've already mentioned that the offering plates are not going to be passed, but they're available in the back. Uh, I encourage all of us to just come prepared this morning to worship God because we've come together on Christmas Eve not just to be able to say Merry Christmas or look at decorations or get presents. I don't know about you, but I've already gotten a couple pretty cool presents this morning. They both have to do with the Dallas Cowboys. I chose not to wear them today uh, for your sake, and I can hear probably lots of people saying amen. But we didn't come to do those things, although those things are fun. We've come together to worship God because he has sent his son, the promised Messiah, the long-awaited Jesus. And so I want to lead us in a time of prayer. As we do that, I encourage you to pray along with me there at your seat. Let's pray. 
Father, we come to you this morning to worship you. God, we acknowledge and confess that you alone are worthy of all of our praise. So, Father, as we turn our eyes towards Christmas Day tomorrow, we also acknowledge and realize that for many of us, many people, this season is a difficult one. It can be difficult for many different reasons, some of which include grieving and mourning the loss of a loved one. It could be unfulfilled expectations that are reminded when we come to this time of year. It could be that we had difficult backgrounds and things in our past that make this season difficult. It could be strained relationships that maybe even we're a little bit anxious about seeing family as we gather to celebrate Christmas. It could be that our finances are limited. It could be that we feel hopeless for various reasons. But God, we know that Christmas actually reminds us that you alone give us comfort and peace and joy, that you are our provider. Help us to trust in you. And along those lines, God, I pray that you would show us how to be a blessing to others around us to encourage them as well. God, I pray that you would use the circumstances and situations and life experiences that we have to open our eyes to the fact that you are the one that we need. And that because of that, you would lead us to focus on what the real meaning of Christmas is all about. That it's not just about presents or food or games or football or whatever it might be, but God, rather you would guide us to use this time so that we can reflect on the miracle of the incarnation that you sent your son that he took on flesh and that he lived among us that we might have salvation. God, we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus. God, we thank you that your sending of the coming king to be born of a woman so that he would die for us would bring salvation if we place our faith and our trust in him. As we celebrate the birth of a baby, may we remember the death of the Savior. And God, we thank you at the same time that that's not the end of the story, that on the third day you raised Jesus to life, and we thank you for that. God, we also confess that we look forward to seeing him again, to the king who will come again. But until that day, God, I pray that our lives would be filled with your glory. Help us to live our lives for you and for your sake. Help us to live our lives in such a way that we go out and tell others the good news of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would use this church family and the churches that are represented in this room, that you would use us to be a place where we learn and live out what it means to be a disciple, make disciples, be the church, the glory of God. It is for this reason we come together to worship this morning. May we honor you as we do that. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you're able to do so, I invite you to stand with us as we continue our time of worship by singing. I chose a lot of uh, familiar songs, familiar Christmas hymns this week in the hopes that we would sing and use our voices and everyone would sing loud and even in the keys that we sing that we could sing together. Man, I... Some of them are a little lower for us even, to, for us to sing. So I, hopefully we can sing together and um, worship the Lord that way. Silent night, holy night, all is calm. Right, right, young virgin. Mm-hmm. 
sending your son. God, we celebrate his holiness, his perfection, his love, and his salvation that he brings. We worship you this morning. Help us to see you fresh and help us to live our lives different because of it. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. My name is Alan Pittman. I have the pleasure of serving as the senior pastor as well as one of the elders here. And as I said a moment ago, we're glad that you're worshiping with us this morning. Hopefully when you came in, you picked up a worship guide. On the back of the worship guide is a place where you can take notes as we move through the message uh, this morning. Uh, 
I'm sure you've heard this little uh, song before. Andy Williams made it famous. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And for those of you that were worried, no, I'm not about to sing it. But I wanted us to acknowledge, I know it, that's, I know it, that's kind of why you came today. Uh, but I wanted to start with that line because it truly is the most wonderful time of the year. It's right for us to come together this morning to celebrate all that God has done for us on this Christmas Eve day. It's a wonderful time to remember the fact that God has sent His Son, Jesus, to take on flesh, to be born of a woman and to bring salvation. Over the past month, we've been walking through a series called The Coming King. And if you've been here, you've followed along with us. If you haven't, I'd encourage you maybe to go back and listen to previous messages. And one of the things we're doing is actually a Bible study a couple each week. And you can click on here uh, to get that. Uh, earlier I said you click this to get to the hope. You can't do that. Normally we can, but <laughs> clicking on this will actually take you to the, uh, to the Bible study. I encourage you to use that if you haven't had a chance to do so yet. Today we're celebrating the fact that Jesus came and was born the coming king was born, and how that changes everything. So if you don't mind, would you turn with me to Galatians chapter 4? If you've got a Bible, you can do that. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be a Bible underneath the seat, around you, that kind of thing. Feel free to use that and take it home with you if you need a Bible when you go home or you know someone who needs one. Galatians chapter 4, Paul is writing, and here's what he says in chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, and that would be Jesus, of course, born of woman, that'd be Mary, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And you could say sons and daughters. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if you are a son, then an heir through God. I want us to take just a moment and look at this principle. It's on uh, your outline as well as the screen. And that is, at the right time, God sent his son to be born of a woman. It's found there in verse 4. The word in the ESV is the fullness of time. But I've titled this message, and you'll see why as we move along, at the right time. And it was the right time when God chose to send his son to be born of a woman. It, it says in the ESV, like I said, when the fullness of time had come. This word fullness in the Greek carries with it a fulfillment of an ordained, set-aside time frame that God had come up with. And also it carries another connotation with it. And to say the fullness of time means that time has now received its full content with the coming of Jesus. Jesus completes everything. And so God sent his son, the promised king that he had said would come all along. In the right time in history and God's providence, he sent the Messiah to be born. The time they'd all been waiting for had finally come. If you've been with us, you've seen how from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3, and then specifically with David and a thousand years before Jesus was born, as we move along for thousands of years, they've been looking for this promised Messiah. And the time had finally come. It goes on in the text to say in verse 4 that he was born of a woman, born under the law. I want to look at both of those phrases, born, under, uh, uh, born of a woman and born under the law. In other words, God sent his son who is fully God. He was born of a woman, therefore he was at the same time that he was fully God, he was fully man as well. I know that's hard to wrap our brains around, but that's what Christmas is all about. When God incarnated himself and took on the flesh of man. 
And as a man, Jesus experienced life just like us, with one exception. Though he was tempted in every way that we are, he was without sin. So born of a woman, he is fully God, fully man, without sin. He lived under the law, and the law demanded perfection from people. But they were unable to live up to it. Jesus did, but humankind, you and I, have been unable to live up to the expectations of the law. So that's why the verse in verse 5 says that he came to redeem those who were under the law. Jesus came to redeem us, to bring freedom, to bring deliverance from the curse of the law. You're like, okay, wait a minute, what's the curse of the law? curse of the law says this, if you don't live up to perfection, then you can have nothing to do with the holy, perfect God. You have to keep the law to be in right standing with God. But he provided a way out by sending his son. And Jesus redeemed us, which carries with it the connotation of paying a price for our release. We'll look at that in just a moment. So in the idea that he came to redeem those who were under the law, we see now that those that want to be made right with God no longer have to do, have to keep the law to perfection to be right with God. And through Jesus' work in our lives and the opportunity that he comes to redeem us from the law, it says in the rest of the verses, he does that, that we might receive adoption. It says there in verse 5, that we might receive adoption as sons. This idea that we are made his sons and daughters means that God has given us all of the rights, privileges, and inheritance of what it means to be a son. All of this, all of this was because a baby was born. Now, I want us to, in just a moment, Howard's going to kind of help us remember the birth of Jesus and what it looked like. And then after we sing another song, I'll come back up here and we'll finish the rest of this story. What does it look like? How is it that the birth of a child brings freedom and deliverance? How is it that the birth of a child makes the difference in my life and in your life? As I think about all of this is because baby Jesus was born. I thought of a song by For King and Country. I don't know if it's original to them. I think it is. It's called Baby Boy. And here's kind of the chorus. He says, hallelujah, we can sing it. Hallelujah, heaven's ringing. Hallelujah, endless hope, relentless joy started with a baby boy. All right, if our kids would come. Right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Any kid can come. Yeah. If you got some of the younger kids in here with you, you want them to come up, they're welcome, of course. I'm going to read y'all a story today. I know, right? I know, I know. Check it out. Is everybody ready? We're all here? No. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. Here we go. Okay, here we go. In those days, the decree went out from Caesar Augustus. Huh? Right? That would be lame to just sit here and read that to you that way, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah? I think so, too. I tell you what, let's do something a little bit different. You want to help me out? Somebody want to help me out? Who wants to help me? Okay, I got an idea. Let me, let me think. Let me think how to do this. Just a second. Here we go. Um, I need uh, some, some actors. Who can be an actor for me? Let me go. Um, yeah, come here, come here, come here, come here. And you come here too, okay. You're going to be Joseph, and you're going to be Mary, and, and, and let's see who else do we have here right now. Uh, but baby Jesus isn't here, but he is here, but he's not outside Mary's tummy yet. So um, I need, oh, I need Caesar. Alan, you be Caesar for right now. 
Um, that'd be good. Come over here. Come stand. No, you know, you, you're over there. We don't ever see you. So <laughs> y'all come over here, Mary. And then, okay, let me see who else can we do here. Let me see. Okay. Okay. And here's what it says. Let me read the whole thing to you so far. Okay. It says this, uh, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. There we go. And all the world, uh, that all the world should be registered. That was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Um, you're Quirinius because I didn't pick anybody. And they were all registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David. We could have a David, but he would have to be way, way back over there. But we don't have one of those, so that's okay. So he went to be registered with Mary, who he's betrothed and who was with child. Okay, so do your best to act like you have a kid right now. Okay, so while they were there, time came for her to give birth. This is your part. Time came for her to give birth. There you go. Good job. Okay. I don't know how we're going to accomplish that one, but that, okay, but we're fine. You know what's funny to me too is I think most of us always think that the, the baby came the, the first night they were there. Like they showed up, there's no room, they go in there and have the baby, but it doesn't say that. It just says that while they were there. So it's okay if you can't do it right now. But, um, and so, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and, and laid him in a manger. He's Jesus. He'll be okay. He'll be fine. Okay. And so, wow. Okay. So then you two, I think you're supposed to like be kneeling down here and looking at baby Jesus in the manger. And then, yeah, you could also stand. I've seen a cute couple of, no, you have to kneel. It's always you kneeling. And then you can either stand or kneel. And then we're pretending baby Jesus, even though you threw him over there, he's right here. Right. Okay. And we're like excited about the new baby that came. And this is where we get the real cool nativity scene, right? That we all have. And there's, you know, Joseph and Mary and, and baby Jesus. And then there's um, a cow. So you guys over here, let me hear your best cow, cow noise. No, no, just stay where you're at. But here, let me hear your best cow noise. Okay. Best. Okay, good. Over here, we're going to have the sheep. You guys are sheep. Let me hear your best sheep noise. You play too much. She says sheep noise. She said, she, okay, now, and then all of a sudden it was a silent night. Shh. I don't know what that means. No, no, and, and, and apparently in one of the songs, Jesus doesn't cry as if crying were sin, but that's not a sin, is it? No, so Jesus could have cried. That's totally fine, and then here's what happens. Okay, check this out. Check, oh, you know what else we need? We need a couple other people too. We need uh, wise men. We need some wise men. Oh, relax a little, <laughs> okay, because I'm not positive, but I'll tell you what. We always think there's how many? How many do we think there were? Three. The Bible doesn't say anything about that. It never says there were three wise men. It's, there's at least two because it's plural, right? Wise men, right? And I think, you know, I think, I think we think it was three because of what? What did they, they gave three gifts, right? They gave gold, Frankenstein, and Bill Murray, right? <laughs> Is that what they gave? What did they give? Somebody tell me what they gave. Anybody know? It was not Frankenstein. It was not, you know? Okay, hold on. I got to come around. Joseph. Hold on for just a second. Yeah, what did it, what, give me one of them. Frankincense. Frankincense, that's it. Do you know? Anybody? Oh, Myrrh. Myrrh, very good. I'm speaking to both of them because I don't know what I'm doing. Okay, yes, okay. And then, uh, but, but we don't know how many, but so let's, I like the idea of a lot of wise men, right? So we're going to let this group over here be the wise men, okay? We're going to use our imagination. Okay, we're going to pretend like these are all wise men over here, okay, right? But y'all have to leave and go away because y'all don't show up for about two years. Okay, because they're not at the nativity. So if you have a nativity with, with th- three wise men, go home and throw the wise men away. <laughs> Get rid of them right now. Okay, but let's go on. Let's see what happens. All we really know, though, is they were in Bethlehem, the city of David, his hometown, and a Savior put on humanity. 
Savior of the world came into it. But here, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the flock by night. You want to be a shepherd? You want to be a shepherd? Okay, all of you are shepherds. Stand up and be shepherds. Okay, you can still be a shepherd. Go over there. there your sheep are over there. You got to be on that side. You're a shepherd. Alan, you can be a shepherd too. That's good. You can be a shepherd. Yeah, well, you don't have to come up here, but you can. You, 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 but you're, I mean, you're, but um, <laughs> he just wanted to be. So just look, look shepherdy. I don't know what that looks like, but okay. At any rate, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone about them, and they were filled with great fear. I love the, the King James says that, that they were sore afraid. They were so afraid. You watch like the Peanuts Christmas, Charlie Brown Christmas, and it says that. It was like Linus did such a good job with that. But I need an angel. Let me see. Oh, I know who looks like an angel to me. Ooh. Yes. Hold that. Yes. That's my wife, I know, right? I, I planned that all moment. I actually did. Okay, here we go. Here we go. And the angel said this to them. Fear, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Very good. Thank you. That's a good angel. You can keep that. Okay. So, and then, check it out. And then suddenly the sky was filled with a great host of angels. So you're now, you're not a shepherd anymore. You're not sheep. You're not anything. Everybody's an angel. Everybody stand up. You're an angel. We filled it all up. Here we go. And then they all sang, right? Is that right? Here, read this. You're one of the angels too. Here's what the angel said. <clears throat> Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And then, and then they all broke out in song. No, yeah, no, 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 no. Okay, here we go. Glory in excelsis Deo. Good, stop. Hey, do a better version of that later. Okay, good. All right, and then, and then check this out, though. When we don't know that they even sang. You can sit down. Y'all can all sit down. It just says that they worshiped and praised God. Right? Here we go. Yeah, you can sit down, too. Check this out. And then the shepherds, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they found everything just like they said. And they went away praising God and worshiping. And at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angels before he was conceived in the womb. They named him Jesus, which means God saves. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you that, that you came for us. The greatest love anyone could show is, is showing up. And you showed up for us. You were here. You lived perfect. You died for us so that we could live. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, really good job, guys. Thank y'all. Don't, no, don't go. Go back to your seats. Go back to your seats, please. Y'all stand and sing them another song with us. I didn't choose that one, but that is a good one. What child is this who lay to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Who angels greet with anthem sweet While shepherds watch our keeping This, this is Christ the King Who shepherds God and name
shall sing. Haste, haste to bring him life, the babe, the son of Mary. So bring him incense, gold, and myrrh. To honor the King of Kings, salvation brings the loving hearts enthroned him. Raise, raise the song on high, the Virgin sings her lullaby. Joy, joy for Christ is born. So pitched in through. encourage you to open the Bible again and this time turn to Romans chapter 5. You're going to see the words right time in this passage. We already looked at how when the time had come, God sent his son Jesus to be born of a woman, that she came, he came at the right time. And when he came, he came bringing deliverance from the law, peace, joy, salvation, adoption as his son. And everything we read is exactly true, obviously, because it's in God's Word. But I want us to look at this portion of the Christmas story. It's going to be from Romans. It's not directly the Christmas story. In fact, you may look at it and go, this doesn't look like the Christmas story to me, but it fulfills the rest of the story. It actually ties into that last verse we just sang about the nails uh, piercing uh, Jesus and as it points towards his death on a cross. You see, Jesus came not just to be born, but he came actually to die. And so I want us to look at Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. Paul says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. 
More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So there on your notes, as well as on the screen, you're going to see my next point, and that is that at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. So we started this series back in November, and we looked all throughout Scripture up until this point, through the Old Testament leading up into the New Testament, to the idea that the king was coming. And it builds up to this point where the king is born, and he's born of a virgin woman, and he's born under the law, and he's a man yet fully God. And the reality is this, God did not send his son simply to be born. God did not send his son simply to live, but rather God sent his son ultimately to die for the ungodly. Jesus died at the right time. It's right there in Romans chapter 5, verse 6. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. In other words, Jesus was born to die. And as I said a moment ago, that's not the normal way that we would say Merry Christmas. When we think about Christmas, we don't think about the death of Jesus. We think about his birth. There's a popular movie out there that kind of tells about how many pounds he may have weighed at birth. But there is much more to Jesus than a baby in a manger. The reason he came was not to be born, but rather the reason he came was to die. I want us to look at four words in this text. Verses 6, 8, and 10. You're like, that's four verses. I get that. But there are four words in those verses, all right? There's two of them in verse 6, one in verse 8, and one in verse 10. And here are the words. In verse 6, you'll see the word weak. Also in verse 6, you'll see the word ungodly. Verse 8, you'll see the word sinners. In verse 10, you'll see the word enemies. If you look at 6, it says, while we were weak. If you look at verse 6, it says that we are ungodly. That's who he died for. Not only in verse 6 does he do this while we were still weak, verse 8 says he did this while we were still sinners. Verse 10 while we were enemies. God sent his son to be born of a virgin to die while we were weak, ungodly. I'm saying them out. Yeah, no, that's the right order. Weak, ungodly, sinners, and enemies. Let's look at what the meaning of those four words are real quickly. Weak. Obviously, we know what the word weak means, and we may think of like physical strength, but the weakness here is not... in as it pertains to weakness, um, uh, physically speaking. But it's helpless, unable to do anything about a given situation. And in this situation, we're unable to do anything about our problem with sin on our own. In this situation, we are unable to keep the law on our own. We are weak, therefore Jesus died for us. It says that he died for us while we were ungodly. You're like, that's everybody else but me. That's those cowboy fans. No, ungodly has to do with living with absolutely no regards to the things of God. What what does he mean when he says that he died for us while we were still sinners? This is living in a conscious opposition to God's will and the law. And then enemies. 
He died for us while we were enemies. There's a word, perhaps you've seen it in the Bible or heard it other places, it's the word enmity. It's while we are at enmity with God because of our sin. And really to say that we're enemies of God when he died for us means that we have a deep-rooted hatred for God. And you're like, Alan, that does not apply to me. Whether you're a Christian or not, all of us at some point in our life had a deep hatred for God because we were doing things in opposition to him. If you're a Christian, then, then you've been saved by the grace of God, and therefore you're not in opposition to God any longer. But regardless of how moral a person may be or how nice a person may be, without salvation from God, we are at war with God. We are going in the opposite direction. In other words, weak, ungodly, sinners, enemies, points to the fact that people live in opposition to God. And because of that, they are separated from God, unable to do a thing about it. So that brings us to the good news. The good news is, in verse 8, but God shows his love for us. And how does he show his love for us? Christ died for us. I want us to look at that word shows in verse 8. It says that God loved us and showed his love for us. He demonstrated it. He made it obvious by sending his son to die for us. The word show here means that God did not simply say with words, I love you, but he demonstrated it with actions. Perhaps you've heard someone use the word love in your life and they have demonstrated the complete opposite in how they treat you, right? But in the case of God, he demonstrated his love for us and proved it. And how did he prove his love for us? By sending his son to die for us. And you're like, wait a minute, that makes no sense. How does sending your own son to die for someone else prove love? But in this scenario, it does because there's no hope of salvation outside of Jesus. And there's no hope of salvation outside of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And so because of that, God showed or demonstrated with his actions that he loved us by sending his son to die for us. There's a couple other words I want you to see. One in verse 9 and one in verse 10. In verse 9 it says that we've been justified by Jesus' blood. So that word justified, I want us to look at that in a moment. In verse 10 we see the word reconciled. That while we were sinners we were reconciled to God. How? by the death of his son. It says that we are justified by Jesus' blood. It says that we're reconciled to God by the death of his son. These two words, justification and reconciliation, are two huge words. You see, God loved us so much that he sent his son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And the death of his son opens the door for our justification and our reconciliation. You're like, I don't know what those words mean. Let's pause for just a minute. What does it mean to say someone is justified? Uh, The way I learned it as a kid is not the perfect definition, but it's a way to remember it, is making it say, it's just as if I'd never sinned. Whenever God sent his son to die for us, if we place our faith and our trust in him, then we are justified or made right or we are declared righteous by God. The only way you and I can be declared righteous by God is not by what we do, but by what Christ has done for us. And so our justification comes 
because of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Likewise, this word reconciliation, you probably know what that word means. To be reconciled with someone means to be put back right with someone. Our sin separates us from God, but because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, if we place our faith and our trust in him, we have been reconciled to him to be made right with God once again. In other words, Jesus died so that if we trust in him, we would be declared righteous and we would be restored to a right relationship with God. Scripture tells us that all mankind, Adam and Eve, the first two that were created, you and I and everyone in between us and those that will be in the future, every person God created and made us as humans in God's image. And that in his image we're to live in relationship with him and reflect his image to the world. But as we look back in Genesis, we see that sin entered the world. And Adam and Eve, not very long after they were created, began to go their own way and began to live in opposition to God by doing things contrary to what God had asked them to do or told them not to do. You and I, because of our own will and decision to go our own way, we are also living in opposition to God. And so because of that, sin entered the world in Adam and Eve. Sin continues in our life. And God's punishment to sin is separation from him. In fact, in Genesis, we see that they're kicked out of the garden, out of his presence, because God, you see, is holy and perfect and righteous, and he can have nothing to do with sin. And because of that, our sin separates us for all eternity from a holy, perfect God. It brings death. Sin brings death both physically and spiritually in our separation from God. But the good news is God all along has provided an answer to our sin. If you were here a few weeks ago when Jacob preached, he preached out of the book of Exodus. And it was the story of the people of Israel as they were coming out of captivity in Egypt. They needed deliverance out of their bondage of slavery. And God chose to use a festival or a feast called the Passover. And in the Passover, a lamb was taken and killed and the blood was put over the doorpost and the people of Israel were saved and were able to leave Egypt. And the question is why the blood of a lamb? Because it's pointing ultimately to the Passover lamb who is Jesus Christ. That it's his blood, as we read in Romans chapter 5, his blood that brings our justification and forgiveness of sin. You see, Jesus was able to be our Passover lamb that was killed in our place because Jesus lived a perfect life which you and I cannot live. And Jesus died a substitutionary death on our behalf that we deserve, yet he died for us. And then the story goes further beyond that. You see, it's not just Jesus came to die, but Jesus came to die so that he'd be raised to life, so that on the third day, Jesus was raised to life, he was resurrected, and by that, he overcame sin and death and the grave. Scripture tells us that if we place our faith and our trust in Jesus that if we repent of our sins, then we are justified and reconciled to God. You see, Jesus was born to die in order that you and I might have a right relationship with God. My question for all of us in this room and those of you watching online, have you trusted in Jesus? Have you placed your faith and your trust in His finished work for your salvation? Because that is what Christmas is all about. Before the service, I had a chance to visit with some of our friends here that are part of our church family, and they traveled north to go to a funeral of of their grandmothers over the break. And it was cool to hear the story of how God used that funeral service. And I was 
hearing how three people came to faith in Jesus Christ because of that funeral service. The reality is this, the right time to trust in Jesus as your Savior is now. You see, I said that at the right time, Jesus sent, that God sent his son to die for our sins, and at the right time, we should trust in him for salvation, and that time is now. What will you do with Jesus? He was born at the right time. He died at the right time. So I've got three statements. They're not questions. Normally I have questions on the screen, but I have three statements that are on the screen. And these are going to summarize what I think all of us, at least one of these statements, we should strive to live out in our lives by the power of God within us. The first one is this. Now is the right time to receive justification and be reconciled to God through Christ. And I worded it that way because there's nothing you and I can do to earn our salvation. Rather, God extends it to you and he's offering it to you this morning based on what Christ has done for you. Will you receive that? You can't live it in a certain way to receive salvation. You can't pray a certain way to receive salvation. It's trusting in Jesus and what he has done for you. Stop trying to do it on your own. Don't just say, well, it's Merry Christmas, Jesus was born, and because he was born, I'm saved, I'm good with God. No, the reality is this, if you've never confessed your sin, repented of your sin, placed your faith and your trust in Jesus, then I hate to be rude to you, but Christmas is nothing for you. All it is is a bunch of presents to get, time with family. Christmas at its basic level is our need for a savior because of our sins would today be the day of salvation for you would you trust in jesus as your lord and savior today the second thing on the screen says this now is the right time to follow him with your life and what i mean by that is if you're a follower of jesus if you've placed your faith and your trust in jesus then it's not like kick back, do whatever you want to. I got my get out of jail, uh, uh, out of hell card, and I can live however I want to. The reality is this if you're a justified, reconciled person, if you've placed your faith and your trust in Jesus, now God is calling us and commanding us to live that out in our lives. Are you living out your salvation? And the third one is this now is the right time to go and tell others about Him. If you are a follower of Jesus, it's time for us to tell others. You've probably heard the song, Go Tell It on the Mountain. We're to go and tell the world that Jesus was born so that he would die for our sins, that if we place our faith and our trust in him, that God will grant to us his righteousness and be, we will be justified and reconciled to a holy, perfect God. Today is the day of salvation. We decided this year to do something that I don't think I've ever done on Christmas Eve before, but we're going to do it together as a church family, and that is we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And the reason we're doing it is because the Lord's Supper, as we talked about a moment ago, and as Jacob shared with us back uh, a few weeks ago, the Lord's Supper comes about because of the Passover meal. And the Passover meal comes because it's pointing to the coming king. And so all along they're anticipating the coming king. And for thousands of years the people of Israel celebrated the Passover meal. And you and I are called to celebrate this together as we remember what Christ has done on our behalf. If you're a follower of Jesus, whether you're a member of this church or not, if you're a follower of Jesus, then this table is open to you. If you've not placed your faith and your trust in Jesus, we'd ask you to refrain from receiving it. But in just a moment, we have four stations. There's 
two here up front, two in the back. There's gluten-free option over here and back there. And in a moment, we will have a chance to come and get the, the juice and the bread and take it back to your seat. We'll take it together as we celebrate what Christ has done on our behalf. Because not only was he born at the right time, he died for our sins at the right time. And we're going to celebrate that fact. I want us to look at Matthew chapter 26. It'll be on the screen for us to be able to see. Jesus, the evening that he would be arrested and killed the next day, took the time to spend some time with his disciples at the Passover meal. And he started this thing that we call the Lord's Supper. And as he did, he identified this is what it's been in the past, but now is what it means. Now this is what it means to us today. It says in Matthew chapter 26, verses 20, sorry, chapter 26, verses 26 through 29, it says, Now as they were eating, Jesus and his disciples, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and he gave it to the disciples, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body. And then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and he said, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And then 29, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And so this reminds us that not only was the king coming and born in Bethlehem, but he's coming again to take his bride into himself, to take us to himself. And that day we will be with him in his kingdom. This morning we've gathered and we've remembered that Jesus was born. We've been reminded that he was born so that he would die. And that because of his death, his burial, and his resurrection, that you and I can have salvation. Would you consider saying yes to Jesus today? I'm going to pray for us, and after the prayer is over with, there's going to be some music playing so that you can pray for a moment or two, and then as you prepare your heart to receive the Lord's Supper, then you or maybe a couple people from your row can come and get the bread and juice and take it back to your row. If you need help because you can't get out, you're holding a kid or whatever, and it's not convenient for you to get out, you can just simply raise your hand, and one of our deacons will be in the back of the room that can help serve you as well. But then sit down at at your seat and we'll take this together in just a moment. Let me pray for us. Father, we come to you now. We thank you that at the right time you sent your son. Father, we thank you that at the right time you sent him to the cross and he willingly gave his life for us. Father, we ask that as we take this Lord's Supper in just a moment, that it would be a reminder that Jesus' blood was poured out and his body was broken on our behalf, that if we place our faith and our trust in him, that we might have salvation. That not only was he killed on the cross, but that three days later he was resurrected. And because of that, there is hope and power and salvation for those who will trust in him. Father, I pray that you would speak to hearts this morning. For those that have already received you as their Savior, would today be a reminder of your faithfulness and uh, an opportunity to taste this bread and this juice as a reminder of what you've done for us. For those that are still considering, am I a believer in Jesus? If I place my faith and trust in him, would today be the day they say yes to you and trust in your grace for forgiveness? It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Take a moment to pray, and then as you're ready, go ahead and grab uh, from either one of those stations, and then we'll take it together in a moment.
if uh, you were planning on participating and didn't get a chance to, go ahead and get that now and or you can raise your hand and someone will serve you. As we've looked at this coming King Jesus, who came not only to be born, but to live a perfect life and to die a death that you and I deserve, and then was raised to new life, we can celebrate. And we take this Lord's Supper as a reminder of what He has done for us. And so that evening as they were gathered, it says that He broke the bread, and when He broke it and handed it out, He said to them, Take, eat, this is my body. And then after that, he passed the cup around. And as he did that, he said, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Father, we, uh, we thank you, even as we taste this juice in our mouths right now, we are reminded of what Christ did on our behalf. We say thank you. And we also ask that you would guide us to live our lives, to honor you and to worship you and to point others to the hope that's found in you. God, I pray that you would allow us to now reflect on what you want us to do with what we have looked at in your word today so we could live life differently because of what you have done on our behalf. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We're going to take a chance to respond now by singing a couple of songs. And like I said, normally we'd pass an offering plate. We're not going to this morning, so don't worry about where those are. They'll be in the back of the room on the tables. But we're going to sing a couple of songs. As we do that, I encourage you to respond as the Lord leads you. That it's the right time for us to say yes to Him. It's the right time for us to receive salvation. It's the right time to live for Him. It's the right time, if you've never followed in baptism, to say yes to baptism. It's the right time to join this church if God's leading you here. It's the right time to mend any broken relationships. It's the right time to confess any sin. You can respond in several ways. There's a connection card there in front of you. You can fill out some spiritual decisions there and drop that as you leave in a moment. You can come and pray at the altar. You can come and pray with me. You can grab a friend and bring them up here. You can just sing loud and proud as the Lord leads you to worship him this morning. But let's say yes to him. Let's respond as the Lord leads us. Go ahead and stand with us and let's sing. I'll be in front if you'd like to come and pray with me. Heaven born. 
Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Life and light to all He brings. Risen with healing in His wings. Mount He lays His glory down. Born and man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give a second birth. Heart the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. one more. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room and heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs implore, while fields and floods. Rock seals and flames, repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. No more let sin and sorrow grow, no thorns infest the he comes to make his blessings flow. Far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness and wonders of His love and wonders of His love and wonders and wonders of His love and wonders of His love and wonders of his love, and wonders of his love, and wonders and wonders of his love. All right, I'm going to sing a solo to close this out. <laughs> hey, I'm Nathan. I'm one of the elders here. Um, take a seat. It's up to y'all. It'll be like a minute. Um, just a reminder, again, the offering plates are in the back. Whether you want to give or you have a connection card, 
Uh, I want to remind you about giving just a few things. If you want to do any general fund or Lottie Moon giving and it be for this year, all the tax things, make sure it's postmarked, right, or call the office if you have a question it needs to be in. Um, I did want to update you. John Seal was up here last week and told y'all that we'd had a church member recommend we do a love offering. Um, since we had not done staff bonuses this year in the budget for Christmas uh, because of financial constraints, they felt led that we should do that as a love offering. So uh, just to update you, a lot of people have already given. We're trying to reach a goal of $2,500. That basically lets us do this, the, the uh, bonuses that will be for next year. As of now, we're at 1,900, so we're about 75% of the way uh, there. Praise the Lord. A lot of y'all have been very gracious. I know it's a financially constrained time of the year, uh, but in, in a week, uh, we've already got 75% there. So I just want to remind you, I, there's not pressure, but if the Lord would have you so into that, um, just, just pray. Do what he tells you to do. It's just that simple. Um, but pray soon, because by Tuesday, um, we need to close out the books, and we're going to shut down that in the online giving portal, and then what's ever there, we're going to distribute um, to the staff. Now, it, I, just to be clear, if it goes above that, um, they're not, Alan's not going out and getting a new BMW, uh, <laughs> whatever his car's choice is. Anything above 2500 will then just go into Lottie Moon. Okay? Is that clear? If you have any questions, come find me um, or somebody else, but I think that's it. Hey, it's Christmas. Let's pray. Father, 2023 has probably for some people been an amazing year full of a lot of wins. And Lord, I think 2023 for a lot of us in this room has been the hardest year of our life. And Lord, a lot of us in this room, it's, it's a mix. It's somewhere in between. But Father, it's Christmas. And Jesus, the promise of Emmanuel is available to us all. So, Father, whether we feel happy or whether we're broken right now, Lord, Father, I pray that by your Spirit, the numbness of our consumeristic Christian Christmas would just break off and we would pull aside with those that we love, Lord, even if all those who love who should be aren't here, Lord. Father, I pray we would pull aside and remember the simple truth. You're with us. Father, you're with us when you came, Jesus, when you came 2,000 years ago. You made us right, so we in eternity will be with our Father in heaven, those who trusted him. And by your sacrifice, the Holy Spirit indwells us now, to where even in the midst of this broken world, we're never alone. Father, that is the, that is the source of true joy at this time. It's simple truth. We are not alone. You came into our brokenness humbly. You lived a perfect life, and you walked to the cross, and you sacrificed yourself for us. Thank you. And because of that, we celebrate, Lord. Lord, because of that, we give gifts to each other so we can remember that we've been given a gift that we could never repay. We love you, Lord. Let this be a joyous season, Lord, even in the midst, um, for some of us, heartbreak. Bless us as we go, Lord. We pray for those of our church body who are traveling, um, that you would protect them, Lord, and that as we come to New Year, we just all come back together, Lord, um, renewed and ready for what you have for us in 2024. We love you. Amen. You're dismissed.